0: This past week, uh, if you're with us in worship, we talked about um, the binary elephant. Uh, I appreciate uh, a number of you reached out of the last couple of days and asked how my email box was going. Um, it's warm. It's a warm place. Warm. A little hot sometimes. Warm. It's warm in there sometimes. I'll put it that way. Um. But at the same time, some very encouraging things, and here's and here's what we have to know about that, and here's what you have to know. As I said, uh, you know, Sunday morning, uh, very, uh, you know, uh, an, an interesting topic to cover. Um, but also, we made application for other areas of your life as well. I mean, so we we we, we tried to uh, do it as broad as we can. But when we cover a topic like that, here's what you. I know you know this, but there are there were people in the room Sunday morning who have family members who know family members who are struggling and in the midst of this. This is a very real conversation in their homes every single day. And so while it's a topic and, you know, you say, well, praise God, I don't have to deal with it. Somebody know is Um, because it's real and it doesn't you don't have to look hard or very far to find folks who are going through this. And it is a major topic of conversation in school settings these days. I had a phone call on Monday afternoon from a mom of a middle schooler who said, Hey, I listened to your sermon, and I, I want to know, can I set up a time for my middle schooler to talk with you on the phone? Because they don't live here. Uh, and I said, Sure, I guess. What's going on? And they said, Well, he, he, he came in and he proudly announced, He goes, I, I'm gay or I'm trans. I'm not sure which. And I said, How does he know that? And she said, best she can tell, someone at school looked at him and said, you're gay. And that's the criteria. That's what starts it. Uh, You know, as I ask more questions, I mean, the kid's never had a date. He never had a girlfriend. Uh, Just an average kind of kid that does the same kind of stuff that that many of you would have done in middle school because he's a young kid. He's 12 years old. But because some knucklehead called him gay... Uh, which, by the way, I mean, I heard that growing up and so did some of you. I mean, you hear that, but the world that we live in today, they process that in a radically different way. You know, some would say that, you know, when I was in middle school and we got a fight on our hands and then principal pilot's coming over, breaking up the fight. and We're in the office. And, well, what happened? when well, He called me gay. You know, and then you the conversation. Are you gay? No. Okay. Shake hands. Let's be done with it. And you're out the door. That's not the way it works anymore. That's not the way it works anymore. Uh, it 's an entirely different world, and so it becomes uh, a little bit trickier to deal with. Um, and so I, I appreciate the letters and notes of encouragement. that was nice uh, been, we've done a lot of things uh, we 've done a lot of things in this elephant series that has been interesting. We will wrap it up Sunday um, looking at the impossible elephant um, and so there 's an elephant that 's out there that 's impossible. you deal with it in your life. Um, but I also I said, "You. I guess you would. You continue to pray for me because I will respond. I have not responded to a lot of the folks that have, that have tried to um, tear me new body parts this week, but I will, uh, and I'll do so in a godly way, um, creative but godly. And um, and we'll, you know, as I as I always tell you, I, I I'm good for one response per crazy. So if you say something crazy, I will respond one time, and then." You'll never hear from me again, but I always want that first one to count. You know, I always like to make it count because I don't like to get, I don't go, I don't get any spitting matches. I just say what I have to say and I, and I, I check out, out. And so um, we'll see. So I have some of that I have to do as this week goes by um, before too much time goes by. And most of the questions that they're asking, will never make the Ask Jeff segments of our video series. Um, I want to start though tonight. We'll unpack this a little bit more. We'll probably unpack it even more next week. Uh, we'll just see how far we can go. But um, I want to come back to something I've said. I said it again Sunday. I said it two weeks ago. When we get to topics like this, okay, um, there is a moment where it really does come down to what you do with the very first words in the Bible, in the beginning God created. I said that Sunday morning, both services. Um, I said it two weeks ago. What you believe about that changes every conversation you're ever going to have about creation, about sexuality, uh, about whatever those conversations are. Because everything else in the book behind that lines up behind that belief. If you believe that in the beginning God created, you're off and running. Now, if you don't, if you don't buy into that, if you don't believe that, if you don't understand that, then you've got a whole lot of other stuff that you're trying to pull and and, and gather and, and some things like that. And so we're going we're to talk about um, the binary elephant here in a second. But I want to come back to that, that old initial creation concept. I want to talk about four words that God says in that very first portion of the book of Genesis. These words, let there be light. You know, God said that, right? Let there be light. Out of the darkness, let there be light. And I want you to think for just a minute with me. I want to celebrate those four words because that's an amazing thing. Because we use words to communicate and talk. People are mad at me about you know, maybe something I said Sunday, and so they, they, they communicated that to me. We, we're communicating with words. I make a living by saying way too many words. <laughs> and some people wish I would not. Um, God uses words to heal and create. And so when we read the book of Genesis, when he is talking, those first recorded words of God, they are, they are part of a creative process. And I was praying this week, and I was thinking about that this week, and it dawned on me um, when he said, let there be light. That was the first sound that was ever heard. And those sound waves begin to travel and create the universe. Now, let me be in order for a minute, okay? I, I have that in me from time to time. Um, many of you know that I spend... Uh, my lunch hours, if possible, watching some type of documentary on Netflix because I just like to learn stuff. I mean, and it's bizarre stuff. No one likes to watch anything with me because it's always like, what what documentary are you watching now? And and, and again, granted, some of it is trash and stupid. But even in that, I learned something. (laughs) Mostly I don't want to watch it again, but neither here nor there. But prior to the 20th century, some of the leading scientific minds didn't believe in a beginning Creation came from what they thought was a steady state. It wasn't until a series of, of scientific discoveries by the likes of Christian Doppler, Richard Tolman, and Edwin Hubble that scientists came to an amazing conclusion that the universe, even now, is expanding. Okay? Um, we know it today as the Doppler effect, named, obviously, after Christian Doppler. And so what that means is, I'm, I'm dumbing this down because, again, I'm a nerd and I'm not that smart, but let me tell you what I think it is. That means at the edges right now of the universe, there are still galaxies being created. Okay? Initially, there was some resistance to this whole idea. Um, Stephen Hawking, who is not a follower of God by any stretch of imagination, captured it this way. He said, well, most people do not like that idea that time has a beginning, probably because it smacks of divine intervention. That's a guy who doesn't believe in God, right? Right? Goes, people don't like this idea because it's, <laughs> it's a God idea. Um, but I'm a pastor, so I can say this. I think that there are many people that have a scientific bias against the existence of God, not for scientific reasons, but because if God exists, then you are accountable to him. So it's better if God doesn't exist. Because if he doesn't exist, you're not accountable to him. I think that's where a lot of the bias comes from. But I digress. According to the Doppler effect, the universe is still expanding. So here, stay with me, because this is where this came out of my quiet time. (laughs) That means that the original words, let there be light, was not a one and done. Those four original words are continuing to travel. The sound continues to travel And even at the edges right now, as we're sitting here tonight, at the edge of the universe, God is still creating and creating and creating and creating. It is something that is so much bigger than we are. And so right now, at the edge of our galaxy, those words are still echoing. And everywhere it does, there's light that's being created. And galaxies are forming. And things are happening beyond our wildest imagination, imagination. And so the four words that he said at the dawn of our creation are still creating galaxies and universes. And to me, that is absolutely awesome. I mean, that is the bigness of God, right? Um, There are people who would say, I've never heard the voice of God. And I would agree. Maybe you haven't, but you've seen his voice. Everything you look at is an echo of a creator who said, let there be light. So don't let anybody tell you, I'm buying the God stuff. You know... you're you're coming at it from a faith perspective. Uh, One of my emails this week said, you're you're coming at everything from this faith perspective. I don't believe in that. Well, that's their problem, right? I mean, if you don't believe in a God and you can't see the Creator, then of course you're not going to know. Then we're not able to have a conversation about the same thing. So forget about the science for a minute. Um, We live in a world where if you're in a classroom... And they're making the assumption that we exist by random chance. If that really is true, then every child, every teenager who hears that is nothing but a cosmic accident. See, if there's not a master creator, if there's not a master designer, then every child in every class that's hearing about anything, about their life, about their world, their conclusion can only be because it's the only place they can go that they are a nothing but a cosmic accident. And we in a society and a culture believe that there's no ramifications for that. That's stupid. See, we have lost our minds because we have to connect the dots because our, our kids and teenagers are depressed. Suicide rates are nuts. We've taken away the moral compass And we want to to dare suggest that, hey, there's no God, and you're just a cosmic accident. Well, what else are kids going to do? Where else do they go? Where do they go to find answers? The hopelessness that is there, we are perpetuating as a society because we have taken away and stripped away everything that they have that they can hang hope on. And so when I said Sunday morning, you're not an accident. We're created by a God who knows everything about us. If he's big enough to know the number of hairs on your head, he's got a perfect plan for your life. And if we're created by him, and his creation is still happening, then we have a lot to hold on to. We have a lot to look forward to. But what you do with those first four words... A few words in the Bible have everything to do with what happens. And so when we start talking about the binary elephant here, man, I got I I news for you. I mean, we've gotten here because the culture has managed to do what it's been trying to do it's pushing God out of the marketplace. That's, that, there's, no other, there's no other explanation for that. I mean, we can't sit here and honestly think that there's not a price to pay for that kind of thought process. You push God out of the marketplace. You push God out of the arena. You push God out of the conversation. You know, I have stood before you before and said, (laughs) much to the chagrin of some, what makes us exceptional as Americans is our Judeo-Christian background. America is exceptional because of our roots. You take that away, and we're not exceptional anymore. Because left on devices, our culture is not that hot. Because people aren't that good at what they do. But when we build on that Judeo-Christian foundation, then all of a sudden we are exceptional. And we have something to offer the world. And so, our kids then, let's let's get back to the binary stuff. Our kids are growing up in a different time. Okay? Um, Let me give you a couple examples. I know of some people who are in a grocery store. Uh, They are shopping, trying to decide what kind of spaghetti sauce to purchase when the mom looks up and sees her seven-year-old who has her eyes locked on a gay couple who's standing just across the aisle from them holding hands. And Mama knows in that moment there's a question that's coming, and she's going to have to answer that question just a little bit later. Um. Your 13-year-old walks into the room while you're watching the news. And, of course, it's when the story comes on about the transgender girl who won the local track competition. And you know that on her face there are some questions that she wants to ask. She's just waiting for the right moment to ask it. Um, The boy I told you about, he's gone home and he's announced that he's gay. But go back a few years. I can remember the first time when my kids looked at me and say, what does gay mean? That's always a conversation now, I say, talk to your mother. Um, <laughs> you're trying to be a good parent. You're taking your kids to a Bible study. And you're just kind of moving through the Bible. And you're letting them ask questions. And it's just a great time of study. And God's doing amazing things. And then you come on this passage about Sodom and Gomorrah. And the kids start asking questions. Now, How do you explain that one? Well, I know how some of you do it. You call me. Um, but we, we, we have to believe that we can give our kids solid answers in a fluid world. But here's the deal, and I said it Sunday. We can't be afraid to have these conversations. We can't be afraid to talk about these subjects. We can't be afraid to address the elephants are in the room. Somebody has to do it. If you can't have the conversations at church where can you have a conversation? Now, you've got to watch it. I mean, you've got to be careful. You've got to know the audience and the listening ears. And you have to learn to teach kids to, lo- to love their LGBTQ, LNOP neighbors as well. Whatever, whatever initials we want to put behind that. While still honoring what God says about sexuality. And so let me give you a, a heard that, since we're still doing principles here heard that, uh, if you want to run it. And it's simply this, it's always better to trust the truth of God's word over a social media blogger or a podcaster or a pundit. It's always, always better to trust God's word over a social media blogger, a podcaster, or a pundit. And we live in a world where don't kid yourself, A social media blogger or a podcast or a pundit carries a lot of weight with people. And if you don't believe that, you know, then um, just pay a little attention to how Budweiser's trying to roll out a horse commercial to offset the blue cans that they gave out um, to their... uh, to the social media influencer. Um, And if you haven't been paying attention to that, um, I was at a pastors event on Monday, and they were cracking cracking on that a little bit. I I just had to laugh. I thought, wow, that's crazy. Um, I said Sunday that there's been a tsunami of transgenderism that has kind of swept our nation. Um, And it's a challenge to the man-woman blueprint, right? Um, Are you aware that the third Wednesday of October is now celebrated as International Pronoun Day? I mean, that's official now. It's on, it's on the... How celebrate something like that? What's that? I don't know how you celebrate something like that. Again, I... I need to know. That's your homework assignment. Uh, tell us how you celebrate that. Lori, he's got all the, all the praises tonight. I mean, he's got plenty of time now. He's living on borrowed time. So we're going to... John's got homework now. Uh, we're gonna, uh, he's going to figure out how, we, how, how to celebrate that. Um, I said we fall into two categories. You know, I had somebody walk out of the door Sunday morning and say, I'm so glad you explained what binary was because I never knew. (laughs) Um, Which is okay. Um, So again, in case we're still keeping up here, uh, Tivoli people fall into two categories, male or female. That's known as gender binary. Um, But not everybody wants to fit into those categories, or everyone doesn't fit into those categories. And so um, that creates part of the problem. Um, Man, woman, we went through this Sunday morning. Different reproductive organs, different external anatomy, the presence or absence of a Y chromosome. The way God has created you. Males and females do not have interchangeable anatomy. The differences in male and female are not inconsequential. Um, both the Bible and biology make this incredibly clear. Sunday morning, we talked about how the Bible talks about it. Um, When God said the way he he made man and woman, it was very good. Uh, And we talked about human beings being made in the image of God, male and female, made them to procreate, and he called it very good. Um, God's way is always best, and so I said binary is um, not bad. Binary is beautiful. I have someone who is non-binary that disagrees with that, and they've sent me a long letter about that. Um, And I actually know them, which was interesting as well. Um, I didn't know that I knew them because they, they're using a different name now, but I do know them. Um, and so um, I'll get to that eventually. Um, someone asked this question this week. Um, this came in uh, and they wrote, said, Jeff, I read in Deuteronomy 22.5, a woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak, for whoever does these things, it is an abomination to your Lord your God. Does that mean the Bible doesn't like drag queens? And I said, well, um, I think that God's not happy when we blur our gender identity. I said, that passage actually is not specifically talking about drag queens, but it's talking about men dressing as women, um, women dressing as men with the intent to deceive. And so that's the the practical application of that passage, because I got to do... <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell you this, but you, if you haven't read them lately, go to Deuteronomy 23 and read the first part of that chapter. Yeah. Adam, that's just... Uh, that is eye-opening, and so if you're taking your kids through a Bible study and you don't want to deal with that at the moment, skip Deuteronomy. <laughs> Enough said. I know some of you will go home right away and look at that, or you're going to check right away and see what he's what is he talking about. I, I will leave that to you to discover, and you can mm-hmm. read it and wince. What's that? I was <laughs> about to go home and throw away a pair of sneakers. Um,
1: What's that? I'll turn around and send you an email. How to dress So I
0: find it yet? Yeah. Uh, go ahead and look. Shall we find it? Oh, Matt got it. What? Which one? What is it? Right. 23, 23, Twenty-three one. I can't think this. No one who has been emas- emasculated, yes. by, emasculated. emasculated, by crushing or cut on. <laughs> you really you? right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll get Read it. He's, ner- he's nervous. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna go horribly south here just now. <laughs>
1: Prefaced it by saying it was messed up. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I about it. Yeah. No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. Oh, yours yeah. is so now, worse. Now take that, that and find a
0: New Living Translation of that, or New English Translation of that. Message versions. No
1: one, it's ESV. No one whose testicles are crushed oh. or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord.
0: Welcome to the Book of Deuteronomy. <laughs> oh. Now, if you want to take your kids to a devotional time with that, uh, feel free to do so. My advice to you, though, as your pastor who loves you, is don't wait till you send them to youth ministry and ask Richard that question. That's what I would do. I would kick it up to student ministry and let you go with that. So, but as that specific question from Deuteronomy twenty-two comes in. You know, that's where they're coming back, and obviously, I mean, you know, you're about the drag queen story hours and things like that. Um, but take your Bibles um, and go... Unless those... you're
1: four, or five, or six, and you're in the dramatic play area, and you're a boy, and you're dressing up in a ballerina costume. It does not mean... No, that's that... what I said. No, I know. Yeah. It's just parents that are allowing four, five, and six-year-old years of old children... Mm-hmm. And it's bugged me all day that go on social media saying my child is transgender. First of all, no. their brains have not fully developed yet to make that decision.
0: No, no, no. And that's, and that's the thing, right? I mean, that's where, and again, that was my response back to the Deuteronomy passage, right? The, the intent is to deceive. That's what the Bible's talking about there. You can't use that as your biblical pretext for that. Um, it does prove that, you know, most parents, and most parents in the room will know this, that we, you know, we weren't... When your children were young and they were first born, you weren't smart enough to have children. Okay? You just weren't. You're still not? What did you say? You're still not smart Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I agree. I'm, 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 I, I can give you that testimony, too. I'm still not smart enough either. But, I mean, so, so we, do, we do some dumb things. But we are now, and now let's bring it back to this illustration up. So now we've got the cultural crud that is creeping over into... Um, every moment where everything becomes a flashpoint, right, Uh, and so a little boy that's running around the house, and he's trying on mama's shoes because he's just playing, you know, okay, Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure I did that as a little kid at some point, and I'm sure my dad had something to say about that. Now, I don't remember that, um, but I'm sure that that must have happened at some point. Um, I know my mom had a pair of roller skates that I stole and was skating around in her roller skates, and I was trying to you color, color the white roller skates because they're women's roller skates with a black marker because I want them look like boy skates, but neither here nor there, but she has skates and so and they fit, so I wore them. You know, I mean, I remember those kinds of moments, but we've allowed a lot of things to kind of get away from us because you're absolutely right. Your statement is right. I mean, there's children at that, that age, they don't, they don't know enough uh, to be even thinking along these lines unless we've opened the door to tell them.
1: Exactly. And they're too of, the parents are too afraid that they're going to ruin their psyche. So we'll just tell them what this is and bring them into this. And that, Richard and I was trying to have the conversation Sunday, and I didn't bite it, but Sarah did. Um, it's just... Um, <laughs> Feet, the parents are feeding the terminology to their oh, children. Yeah. At four and five, children. do you think they know what tra- what trans? I can't even say it. Transgender means? Heck, no. Someone has. And Tommy and I talked about it. Somebody has told them that.
0: Do you know what it means yet, Tommy? You know what it means? It's an automobile, in it? Yeah. <laughs>
1: answer that one. They can pretend, <laughs> but they
0: cannot be a mermaid.
1: Exactly.
0: My daughter's a mermaid. <laughs> 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 I'm a fairy. Well, okay. I didn't I say that. Like, I've seen her. My daughter's a mermaid. I saw her swim <laughs> reading watching. That's oh, all I can tell you. Um, yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, was, I was getting like, ready to send <laughs> <laughs> you somewhere in the Bible. Didn't say going to say? Uh, so turn two was all I heard. what I say? Turn, turn two. two. That's all I got out. All right. <laughs> I just had to get that. No, out. that's fine. That's fine. I appreciate that. No, that's good word. All right. Matthew 19.4. Somebody read that. And please understand, I, I am going to jump, I'm going to give you this week, next week, some, some I am I'm, proof texting as well, obviously. I'm giving you, I'm, I'm nitpicking some passages out. We're not going to go into the whole context behind them, but I'm, I'm, going to do it, I'm going to do it with integrity. Let me say it that way to you. I don't normally do that. Normally, I move through a passage. What I give you, though, I'm, I'm going to be contextually correct, okay? Matthew 19.4. Somebody read that.
1: Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh.
0: So they are no, just four, right? They're just four. (laughs) Overachieving is crucial. Hey, listen, you you started and you started, I was like, okay, okay. okay. no problem. Well, I was was, was, was kind of doing the hand motion thing here. Uh, The reason you read that, though, is because Jesus comes along and reaffirms and confirms what we've read in Genesis. Jesus comes along and puts an exclamation point or the stamp of approval on clarifying, have you not read that from the beginning he made them male and female? He said something similar in Mark chapter 10, verse 6. I'll read it for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Uh, Go to Ephesians 5.31. You can turn there, Ephesians 5.31. You just heard this just a moment ago. If you've ever been through premarital counseling with me, you've heard this passage of Scripture. Mm -hmm. Ephesians
1: 5.31 For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be
0: joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Mm -hmm. There, There is something about the amazing design of God where he knew what he was doing when he made us, and although we don't have the conversation often in church, but sexuality really is part of God's design, and God did very well. The Bible says God looked and saw it was very good. And again, there is, I mean... In church circles, this obviously is not a topic that's talked about a whole lot, but I mean, this matters. This is important. And the thing is, because it's not talked about a whole lot, we've left it at times to the culture to communicate the message. And whatever message of the day is being communicated, that's the one that rolls with it. And here's why, right? I mean, if you're a parent, you know this to be true. You can tell your children something over and over and over again. But if they have a friend that tells them, or they hear it at school somewhere, or they hear it from a buddy, that person is a rocket scientist. And you're dumber than a post, right? I mean, I, I and and any kid, well, but go back to when you were growing up, though. We ran the same tracks, right? I mean, we, we, we did exactly the same thing. That's how we learned. And then we you know, then usually mom and dad were trying to correct it somehow. And, and so that's the way we grew up though. So, so when your kids do that, by the way, right? okay, yeah, good. Take a um, so, so we do that, by the way, um, that's normal. That's really very normal. That's a normal part of development. And your kids need to have friends and they need to have people they can bounce stuff off of. Now, Again, we live in a world of social media, and where friends are not really friends, but they're Facebook friends, or they're, you know, I mean, it it gets a little bit cloudy, but hopefully your kids have a group of friends um, that they can bounce things off of, and they will bounce those things off of. And you as a parent then come along, and you worry about who your children are running around with, what are they hearing, and you're going to try to fix and clean up the messes. That's parenting. And that's normal parenting, by the way. Doesn't mean you're a bad parent. It's just normal parenting, and that's good. Uh, And it's good that your kids will discover things. It's good that they will ask questions. It's good that they have a peer group that they can gather information from. That is healthy. They have to learn to interact that way. With real people, not fake people. Real people. They have to learn to interact. And then your job as a parent is to clean it up. You clean the mess up. And it's nothing to be fearful of. Those are good conversations to have. Some of the greatest days of your life will be those days when your kids ask you those questions and you think, oh my gosh, I can't believe they asked me that. But as you wade into the answer, let me tell you something that happens. It's very cool. God shows up. If you're a God follower, God shows up in a very supernatural way. All of a sudden you begin saying things as a parent and you find out, gosh, I'm a lot smarter than I thought. Where did that come from? <laughs> no, you're not smarter, but that was God. God. God shows up, and God gives you the answers that you need, and God gives you the places to go for the resources to answer. So you don't need to be fearful of it, okay? I want to affirm you, if you've got kids, if you've got young kids, they're going to ask questions. That's okay. Let them ask the questions. There are people around you that will support you in this. There are resources to be had, but also you know enough to answer the initial questions. You know enough to wade into these conversations. Don't be afraid of it. The worst mistake you will make is not having these conversations. Matter of fact, I think that's sin, by the way. You have to be willing to have these conversations. And they're not necessarily easy, and they're not necessarily comfortable, um, but you know how you can communicate with your kid best. You know what to say to your kid. Your child, and you will speak the same language. You know the language that your child understands. And so don't be afraid to do that. Um, In God's good design, okay, he has created this male and female. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, we're reminded that our bodies really don't belong to us, which goes way against the culture, right? It says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, if you haven't underlined that in your Bible, in the culture that we live in, you need to, because that goes back to what I said that seemed to get a little bit of reaction Sunday among people when I said, you know, the problem is when we start, when people start trying to play God, they get upset when you tell them that they can't be. And I said that in some form in both services on Sunday. I've been quoted a couple times on that, which is Interesting and not correctly by the way sometimes but these are but when people decide they want to play god they hate being told that they're not allowed to do that well here's why because the moment the moment that you understand who you are in relationship with God the moment that you've given your life to Christ you have to come to grips with the fact that your body is not your own the holy spirit has moved in and God says i bought you with a price you have to glorify God with your body so that anything else that happens in for our kids and for our life and for what we're trying to do is we're trying to teach them how to glorify God with their bodies and that includes their sexuality. And and that's not not tough to say and it's not tough to understand but it's certainly not what the culture wants them to know. Okay, Um, And so let me give you a couple things real fast here. We'll start going going fast and then we'll come back to this next week. Um, So specifically about transgenderism, Um, when we disparage the physical human body that God has designed and in whose image it's made, um, we are downplaying and rejecting God's design for us. So as we're doing what I suggested Sunday that Adam didn't do, he didn't look back at God and said, God, you did it wrong. God, you made me wrong. God, can you change this? Because when God says it's very, very good and God has done the creating, then what he has done is the way it's supposed to be. And it's not yours and it's not mine to say, well, you know, God, you must have screwed it up. Because if we go back to the beginning and we don't believe that God did the creating, then, okay, all bets are off. The regulator's off. Then you can do whatever you want. But if you believe that God is the original creator and he has made you the way that you are, then that is who you're supposed to be. And that becomes the point that you build from. Um, if you're gonna play God with your sexuality, you'll play God with everything else. Because there, there, there's, there's nothing that's out of bounds. Because you haven't bought into the idea that in the beginning God. So transgenderism is not biblical. I know you know that. Um, I said that it comes from a couple of different places. One, it comes from um, some confusion, okay? It comes from um, what I called uh, wellness. Um, I'll say it a little bit differently here. Uh, Mental health, some ticks, chinks in the armor, um, some inability to look at things and see them them from a sane perspective. Um, Or it comes from pure evil. But those are your three choices. It doesn't come from God. It's not godly behavior. Now, it's sin. So, um, let me tell you why. One, it's contrary to God's design for humanity. Genesis 1 tells us that, right? I mean, it's, just, it's not the way that God created us. Two, it opposes God's design for you and I as individuals. Psalm 139 reminds us of that, Right? We are fearfully, we're wonderfully made. Also, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 talks about that as well. Um, it leaves people confused. It's confused, confusing. And here's the deal. God's not a God of confusion. Anything but. God doesn't operate in confusion. 1 Corinthians 14, reminds us of that. God doesn't create you to be confused. That's not a part of His design. And so he has not done that to you, although some people will say that. Um, Romans 13, 14 says, um, reminds us that when you choose transgenderism, what you're doing is you're trying to gratify the desires of your flesh, as Romans will say it. But it's your own desires at that point that you're trying to satisfy. Um, Fifth, it exchanges God's glory for man's glory. You can play God. You can decide who you want to be. You can decide what you want to be. And you can decide how you want to get there. Um, Romans 1.24, it dishonors the body that God gave you. And basically, you look back at God and said, you did it wrong. I'll do it better. And those are the attempts that are made. Um, Romans 1.25. Also, of course, Romans 1 is an interesting passage to read, the whole thing about this. But... Um, it is self serving it's got what you want it's self worshiping this is what I need this will make me happy this will make this will be what i need uh, to do and it's a uh, narcissistic i mean it it again it's all about you and we step into that arena, and we think that God's going to honor it. And that's not the way it works. As a matter of fact, it's not natural. It's dishonorable. Romans 1, 26 and 27. It, 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 the Romans 1, Romans 1, 22 through 27 really do speak to all those things I just listed for you. Um, but we live in a world, and so let's. we're going to spend two minutes. You guys got to get out of here, and we'll pick up next week. Um, man, there's, there's so much... There's so much confusion about even the terms. I said Sunday morning very quickly that the terms are fluid, right? They, they change so quickly. And you're not sure anymore when you're talking to somebody, when they say something, what exactly they mean. Gender uh, has always been used as a synonym for one's biological sex. But that term has been hijacked by gender theorists. Um, now we have what's known as the gender spectrum. There are over 75 options provided on the gender spectrum for you to choose from as to what you are or what you want to be. Um, and Facebook has actually provided a custom gender option. I quote, if you do not identify with one of the pre-populated lists of gender identities, you are able to add your own. <laughs> and they all have a flag. Yes, yeah, they Jesus. do. Uh, it is it's common to hear someone say, that a doctor assigned their gender at birth. That is a lie. That's not true. The doctor simply identified what God determined your gender to be. That's true. Okay. Um, gender identity is a common phrase. It has to do with one sense of who they feel themselves to be. Um, Now, it's important to remember, to be human is to be male or female. And so, if you're taking notes, we'll end with this one. (laughs) Your sex is your gender, and your gender is your sex. Period. It has nothing to do with what you might feel. Because your gender and your sex is written into the DNA of nearly every cell in your body. And you don't undo that. Okay? So we're out of time. We'll come back next week. We'll finish talking about the binary elephant. Um, I'm sure we'll get through it next time. And then we'll wrap up and clean up uh, with stuff that we say about the impossible elephant on Sunday morning. If you have any great questions, feel free to email them to me. I'll eventually get to them. Let's pray. Oh, also, just so you know, too. One of the things that came out in a conversation with a, with a dad who came by. To talk about this specifically, um, you know, while while we while I covered it on a Sunday morning, okay, uh, as a pastor, and we talked about it, you know, in the context of worship, we're talking about it again tonight. But you already know well enough that you know after next after next week the elephant series is over and we're off on, running on something else. Our topics change. We're going in a different direction. Um, there is a field of study out there in the Christian community right now where this is all they do. I got a letter from. A guy at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary saying, "Hey, I listened to your sermon this past Sunday. I want you to know I've written a book on this subject, and I'll, I'm going to send you the book because it, you know you might want it as a resource." And I'm talking to me, I'm like, "Dude, I'm not going to read that book," <laughs> but I appreciate you sending it. I, I, I mean, I appreciate the gift. I'm not going to read that book because you know I'll deal with this with you if you have an issue going on in your home and stuff like that. Um, so when I'm reading stuff to you, if it looks like I'm in my notes a lot, it, you know, this this is not my field of study. I I got the spiritual part down. I got the biblical stuff down for you, um, but even at that, when I say terms are fluid, I mean they they probably have changed since we started this whole conversation, you know, 20 minutes ago. So I mean, so understand that too. So you know, I I'm, I I can be a resource, and I can be helpful, and I might be useful. But I might not. So let's pray, uh, and we'll see what happens. God, uh, thank you that we can have these conversations here. Um, it's church, it's family. Uh, it's us trying to get it right in a world that seems like it wants to get it wrong. Help us to do that and be that and, and, and do the best that we possibly can. Um, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, go get your children.